Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast that wouldn't die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. How do? This week, we'll be discussing the science fiction adventure comedy. I don't know what it is. Comedy's <laughs> a stretch. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, starring Peter Weller, Ellen Barkin, Christopher Lloyd, John Lithgow. It's an all-star cast. You can go to our page on Facebook at the Did podcast. Did you say the Jeff Goldblum? I said Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> John Lithgow, Jeff Goldblum. I don't know. One of them's there. They all look like infants, don't they? They all look like freaks. Anyway, <laughs> uh, go to our page on Twitter at TPodcastTWDie. Go and subscribe and like and share. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. Don't forget to give us a five-star review and uh, spread the word, won't you? And don't just like us on Facebook. You actually have to go to the podcast site and subscribe. Well, yeah. We're not here to make Zuckerberg happy. (laughs) That is true. No, no, no. You get, basically, here's the way it works. If you want to listen to the podcast, if you want to listen to the podcast, you just subscribe on one of these sites, basically. Yeah. You know, well... Let me rephrase that. If you want the the uh, the announcements on your device, hey, a new episode has dropped. You'll get that when you subscribe. And you need that. You absolutely need that. If you want all of our madcap tomfoolery, then you should follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook just for our crazy posts, our you know reflections on things, strange I, I observations. I retiring from Facebook. Are I want to you- retire. Uh, with these people subscribing. So if you're going to just go to Facebook, you should send us a check. (laughs) It takes time for Kevin to uh, post bull crap he finds on the internet. How dare you? How (laughs) dare? I mean, granted, if you feel you want to send me a check, I will not, uh, you know, I won't stop Amazon gift cards, Costco gift cards, Target gift cards, Nordstrom gift cards, all accepted. Precious gems, bullion, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Krugerans, True Anywho. Blood, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Aaron, why don't you give us the five second uh, description of the plot for Buckaroo Banzai? Oh my God. Good luck. Oh my God. So, like, dude, RoboCop dude with black hair uh, is, like, a brain surgeon, a scientist, and a rock star. And, like, so he wanted to recreate some crazy tests uh, that uh, this Italian John Lithgow did where he crossed over into, like, another dimension. There's like this dimension that aliens are living alongside us, and I don't know what the hell is going on. But if at some point he meets Ellen Barkin, who's like the the twin of his dead wife. Yep. And in the end, uh, he saves the day. The end. I was so bored. I I really can't. I literally have half a page of notes, and it's mostly like. Was Jeff Goldblum one of the rapists in Death Wish? And the answer to that question is, yes, yes he was. Yes, he yeah. was. It's a wonder he ever worked again. That movie was so disturbing. Buckaroo Banzai? Yeah, that too. 
Anyway, hey, let me, before we deep dive, will Go you actually it. give the details that I literally, uh, my eyes were rolling in the back of my head? I'm sure this was a very important movie in your youth. Very important. Uh, Perfect Tommy, he was in love with Buckaroo, right? Not that I'm aware of. Every scene, he's always watching him, following him. What are you doing? I think Perfect Tommy wanted to, to crawl inside his uh, perfect tidy whities Oh, know. sweet Lord. Uh, we don't judge, okay? Whatever, no, no. whatever Perfect Tommy's I, I, into. I'm not saying good, it. bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying this is a fact. I, I, <laughs> I can't comment on uh, the proclivities of any of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Well, you can will. you comment on RoboCop with black hair? It looks kind of hot. Uh, that I cannot comment on either. <laughs> do you know? Do he looks pretty good with black hair. Do you know why he has black hair in this movie? Uh, because his evil is leeching out of his head. No, because he's supposed to be half Japanese. Oh Lord! So he's, that's, he's the, that's he, the deal. He, his name's Bonsai. Hair. I thought that makes no damn sense whatsoever, Kevin. What? Let's be clear with that. Just because you're with a bunch of Japanese people and you have black hair, that does not make you Japanese. His father's Japanese. No, he's not. Yes, he was. I've not, seen not people with... <laughs> not the actor, the character. I'm talking about some form of reality. Maybe nine generations ago in his family... Someone once slept with a Japanese person. Maybe. Let's get out the ancestry DNA. But there's no way in hell that your father's Japanese and all you got was black hair. Okay, no. look. Look, this is, this is I, obviously. I have no, sus- no I, there is no suspension of disbelief here. That's but- fine. This is called Hollywood whitewashing. Okay, oh, in, in the seventies, sure. in the seventies, you had uh, one of the Carradine boys in Kung Fu. Yes. So, so basically, this is that same kind of thing. Obviously, he's not Asian in real life, to any degree. But that was the idea. The reason why he his his real name is Buckaroo Banzai. His father was Japanese. His mother was American. And they named him Buckaroo because the father, uh, the Japanese was a father, cowboy. That no, he was a, a Japanese cowboy. He liked. He appreciated kind of the old West mystique of his oh. adopted country. See, let, let me tell you, this is totally whitewashing. And let me tell you, did you see Crazy Rich Asians? I did. All the male romantic leads were biracial, where all the funky dudes were just straight Chinese. It's totally racist. Is that true? They're yeah. biracial? I didn't know that. Yes. Well, there you have it. Good there you times. have it. Well, the whitewashing. That didn't apply to the women, though. I mean, some of them, I'm sure, are. But I, it was very clear to me that the romantic lead was biracial. I'm not sure. He, well, whatever. This is not, this is not the crazy <laughs> rich Asian uh, podcast, by this the This is the crazy rich Asian Hollywood whitewash podcast. No with, question. Uh, I don't have proof on anything that I'm saying, but I'm sure it's 100% true, and Trump can back me up. 
<laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, okay, I, I got. I got to jump in. I like this movie. This movie makes me feel feel happy. When it first started, I know it does. You first saw it when you were seven on the movie channel, and and, and you took it to your heart. I'm sure it is. It is so bizarre because it's kind of like you're jumping in in the middle of a story. Like this is like the third or fourth movie of a series where we are already supposed to know who all the characters are and how their relationships connect together. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're paying attention, there are random and bizarre like images just in the background. It's like an old serial. Yes. When we used to go to the Camelot Theater during uh, the summertime, they'd draw on the old serials. Well, they basically said on some level they were emulating like the old uh, Doc Savage uh, I remember Doc Savage. Those those books from like the 30s, where it's like here's the the super heroic character with his wacky gang that he goes on adventures with. Essentially, so who was the target audience for this? Our who, parents, me, essentially. This, but you would, would you would be down with Doc Tari from the 30s. <laughs> I would actually, shockingly <laughs> enough. Um, so, but that's that's the thing. But the characters, Buck Rubanzai, like you said, he's a brain surgeon. He's a particle physicist. He's an adventurer, a crime fighter, and a rock star. He does it all. He's a martial artist. He's a samurai. He, but, but it's so, it's like literally this, this group that he gets together with the Hong Kong Cavaliers is the name of his music group. But Not a terrible name. But they are all scientists as well. They're not just, the, you know, I play a little rhythm guitar, but I'm also a geneticist. Oh. It's that kind of thing. Right. <clears throat> you know, it's like at the beginning of the movie, they establish he's doing this experiment with this souped up, I don't know, Ford truck where it's going to drive through solid matter. But on the way to doing this experiment, he's doing brain surgery on a, uh, an Inuit child to... Uh, what was it? If they were like installing some technology in his brain that would allow him to communicate to his was, severed limb or something. I, I, I was know. already rolling one eye back in my head. That is, that is nonsense. <laughs> you're out of your GD mind. Um, if you're paying close attention, uh, there's a picture uh, that Buckaroo hangs up inside the jet car for his experiment of presumably his mother holding young Buckaroo as a baby. Do you know who the woman in the picture is? Is it the chick from the Terminator? No, it is Jamie is Lee it Curtis. Is it Nancy Kwan? It's not. Oh. No, Jamie Lee Curtis. And there's actually a deleted scene that takes place back in the 60s where Jamie Lee Curtis plays Buckaroo Banzai's mother. So there you I'm go. I'm pretty sure in the 60s, uh, Peter Weller would have been like 16. <laughs> Well, I think he was meant to be like eight or something. And he was a child. He wasn't like in her womb or something in the 60s. It was a picture of him crowning. That's what it was. Yes, that's correct. Of her uterus. Um, Anyway. um, So did you notice now Dr. Hakita, who is uh, Bonsai's mentor, I guess, scientist mentor. Did you recognize that actor? Uh, is he a man from the High Castle? No. Are you just throwing random <laughs> things out? He I was. was he... I was watching man, man from the High Castle before you called in. 
Good times. <laughs> he was. I, I don't know the actor's name. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. He was on Quincy with Jack Klugman. He was Quincy's buddy on. Uh, oh, yes. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I used to love me some Quincy back in the day. Yes. Stay homesick, watch afternoon TV with Quincy. <laughs> Good lord, and and then of course we discover that Quincy ex- is where I learned about Tourette syndrome, I, and I, I'm I, still fascinated by it today. I'm learning about it right now. I think. <laughs> Anywho, um, <sighs> so back in the 30s, uh, Doctor Hakita was trying to do this experiment with his partner, Doctor Emilio Lazardo. Yes. Uh, John Lithgow with a crazy wig and a horrible Italian accent. Like oh, a ridiculously, my God. Like an offensive Italian accent. Oh, my Lord. Uh, and crazy hair. He looks yeah. like, like one of the uh, Mario or Luigi. Yeah, it, it is Super Mario Brothers. He, it was a failed experiment, but he got like half his body into the wall kind of yes. through a solid thing. And that's when they realized there were creatures in this other dimension, essentially. If you try to walk through solid matter, it's like a doorway to the eighth dimension where these aliens are living, essentially. And they look like mole men. They do. They have no noses. They're kind of reptilian. things, yeah. Big black eyes, no nose. Um, and I guess he gets possessed. They get inside his brain or something like that. Right. So he... He still is John Lithgow with his crazy Italian accent, but he's also this, the leader of the Red Lectroids, which well, are an and evil alien And his hair color group. changes. Yes. He no longer has black hair once you cross to the eighth dimension. Your hair yeah. color changes. That's Besides that's part being of it. insane, yes. That, that's just good science. That's how it works. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> good Lord. So, Buckaroo does brain surgery. He does. He completes this the science experiment, and then he immediately goes plays a uh, a gig, a music gig in uh, New Jersey at some kind of crazy nightclub. Oh, and let's talk about the music. Yes, it was so horrible. It was the Blues Brothers meets synth, <laughs> and it was so. Freaking terrible. I think I know why what's her name was crying. It's because she had to go to that concert. <laughs> it aged her te- terribly and she had to move to the big easy after that. You're telling me. I mean, oh. essentially, he's supposed to be like the biggest star in the world, right? And he's playing oh. at Zelda's uh, on, on a Tuesday, essentially. Is that, Zelda's that's... on a Tuesday, and what we're learning here is always they had such a tight budget for this crap trap that they didn't want to actually pay for real music or anything we could have possibly have heard. So it was like a, a couple of guys kicking together some nonsense. <laughs> there was one homie up there playing two saxophones at once at yeah. one point. That's lovely. And, and then Peter Weller had some like tiny child's uh, horn he was tooting. Well, he came uh, out, he's playing the guitar, and then he pulls a crazy like pocket trumpet out. It's like, what is this? It's like some kind of weird jazz synth moog music. I don't know what it, it was. It was a freak show. It it's, was literally Blues Brothers on the yes. synthesizer. And I'm standing by that comment, but it is so. 
terrible because the music does not match their new wave outfits. Right. At all. Yeah, they were dressed like new romantics. Yes. Oh, yeah. Perfect Tommy was rocking that white, super angular jacket. I mean, I mean, I'm not here complaining about their wardrobe. Just everything else. It was basically Duran Duran. It is is the. the Oh my god! If if, if only uh, some dude ran in with an open shirt with his British bare chest and a headband, (laughs) it would have full been Duran Duran. (laughs) Good times. If they played Blues Brothers pop synth. <laughs> and about this time, we meet three of Buckaroo's buddies, three of his team members. You've got Perfect Tommy with the crazy bleach blonde hair. And did you notice that, like, half the time his jacket perfectly matches, like, the shirt that he's wearing underneath? I thought like, the that exact was same bad. pattern. Perfect Tommy was perfect every time. <laughs> He was the king of the 80s. I loved everything that Perfect Tommy wore. He was perfect. He was perfect. Because you're perfect. Because you're uh, perfect. He was you... more perfect than, than fake Japanese bonsai. That's sad but true. Then you got his other buddy, Reno, who wears kind of black. Mike Reno? Is it Mike it's, Reno? Uh, if only. He wears like <laughs> black clothes, but he wears like two belts at the same time for that some bizarre reasons. No, that was the thing. That's a, that's a fashion choice, friend. It's very strange. You, you were just a pup. The 80s were my time, baby. So you should, you should be riding your element for this one. Uh, <laughs> the third guy you meet is evidently Buckaroo's second-in-command, who's just called Rawhide, who is often dressed uh, as the kind of a cowboy character. But did you recognize the actor who played Rawhide? Uh, oh, wait a minute. Is this Clancy Brown? Clancy Brown from... <laughs> Every fucking thing. Okay. Specifically from this era? Can you give me... Oh, God. He was the bad guy in every movie in the 80s. And no, I can't give you a specific. He was the bad guy in the original Highlander, is what I was looking for. Oh, I yes. love he the was the Highlander. Uh, the Kirkin or the Gherkin or something in the Highlander. He was the Gherkin. I thought that's a, a little pickle. Something like that. That's his character. So he, they're up there playing. But he, <laughs> oh, th- this Jesus. is like the only role that I know where he's just not like the evil dick. Where he's just kind of a normal dude. He, yes. he's, he's a good guy, but yeah. And he, now, freeze, freeze. So I literally was read, reading his IMDb thing. Yeah. I, I clearly forgot all about Highlander. And they were talking about his freakish height and why he was limited with his acting. And then I looked at his height is six foot three. Yeah, he's not. But th- that's yeah. the thing in Hollywood, all the dudes why are five Hollywood six. Hollywood shunned me. This is why I could never be a famous actress. That's correct. They're racist against that's, those tall people. That's exactly what it was. That's what uh, did it. That that was the last straw. <laughs> um, but here's something else. So the band essentially they now it was a real band where they, and then they spring they threw rawhide and perfect tommy and reno in there oh, the Lord. band the real band was called it, billy vera and the beaters no who, don't know do you know who, you don't know who billy vera and the beaters are they had Sing one, the song what, they what had was one, song they had one song and it was usually played on a very special episode of family ties oh, when alex Lord. p keaton was breaking up with his girlfriend what would you do at this moment? Oh, damn. Now I can't and? remember the rest of the song. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Out. 
Oh, Lord. Oh, damn. I knew more of Eyes Without a Face than that. I was gearing up for something. Frick, I don't know. I have to come back to it. (laughs) Go watch very special episodes of Family Ties with Alex P. Keaton. It's called At This Moment by Billy Vera and the Beaters. I think this is becoming a very special episode. You're telling me. me. Give me a minute. I'll look for it later. Uh, Anywho, so they stop. The band has to stop. Buckaroo stops the music because he hears somebody crying in the audience. Oh. And there's uh, Ellen Barkin, Ellen Barkin sitting by herself with makeup streaming down her face. She's crying, dressed like she's a flapper from the 20s or something. Yeah. I don't with, remember that being a big fashion choice in the 80s. That's why she's so upset. We don't know why she's upset. She's we upset know because she had to listen to this crappy music. <laughs> Make so, it stop. He, <laughs> Buckaroo, starts singing a song to her. Uh, and I had to ask, good singer or not so good a singer? A uh, rock star. It, it, you know what it is? It's, you know, like when you want to go into acting, you got to do dance and you have to learn singing along with the acting. Yep. It's the dude who is going to be the actor, yeah. not the dude that was going to be the singer. He's not musical theater. He, he, he can uh, kind of carry it along. It's like when David Soul all of a sudden decided he was a singer. He could carry Soul. a tune. <laughs> Poor but, David but... Soul. Don't drag him down into this. Don't he's... give up on us, baby. Poor David this... Soul sitting somewhere right now going, why are you picking on me? What did I do? I used to love that song, though, with his blonde hair. I'm sure he looks like a grizzled walnut right now. He was no Rex Smith. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Oh, my God. I love Rex Smith so much. (laughs) Anyway, nobody (laughs) under 50 knows what I'm talking about. So moving right along. This is a very special over 50 Uh, podcast. You're telling me. Um, (laughs) So uh, Penny decides to kill her. She tries to shoot herself in the middle of the nightclub. Uh, in a funny moment, all the dudes on stage at the gunshot pull out like Uzis. They, they drop their their uh, pocket uh, trumpets and pull out handguns, all of them, because they're not just rock stars. They're also crime fighters. Evidently. They're paid assassins. They're Ukraine. I don't know. Um, so John Lithgow, Dr. Emilio Lazardo is in an insane asylum. And still talking with a crazy, offensive Italian accent. Yes. And did you recognize the the orderly or the guard at the insane asylum? I did not. That was Jonathan Banks, who recently was on Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul. He was Mike. Did you ever watch uh, Breaking Bad? Yeah. Who he was, was he? Mike Airman Trout. Oh, 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 boom. Know exactly who you're talking yeah. about. Boom. Love yeah. him. Love him. Hardest working man in show. He, he, like, people forget he was literally in like 100 things in the 80s. 100, like, big, he was in Beverly Hills Cop. He was in he 48 was in Hours. He, he was, was in Clancy Brown. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, oh, good Lord. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this thing. What they find- just succumb, oh. succumb. Oh, sweet Jesus! What over the course of the movie? I'm not going to go beat by beat, but over the course of the movie, they discover that aliens, these red electroids from the eighth dimension, escaped over to Earth during the 1938 uh, Halloween World Series. 
No. <laughs> when they were doing uh, the Orson Welles oh, War of the yeah, World. yeah, yeah, like, I do it, remember that. So, the, it, again, nobody under the age of 70 knows what I'm talking about. Back in 1938, Orson Welles did a kind of radio play of the H.G. Wells classic War of the Worlds. And it caused a big, bit of a scandal because people thought it was like a real news event. People didn't yes. realize it was a play. They so thought people real out. aliens were landing in New Jersey and they were losing. There was no internet. There right. was all like no fact checking. It was on and people lost their minds. People were losing their minds. So they worked that into this story saying that aliens really were landing back then all those years and they took over a business i guess a rocket propulsion labs sort of rocket dine or something yo-yo dine Dine propulsion systems is the name it wasn't the shamrock novelty company silver shamrock (laughs) silver shamrock yeah yo-yo dine yes Yo-Yo Dine. So the thing about these aliens, these red electroids, is they emit some kind of a pheromone or something so that they look human when people, when humans see them. Something along those lines, right? Right. Um, So so I'm guessing if I had a head cold, they would be straight up aliens. Oh, there's a lot of goofy stuff. Like people are like watching them on the news and they look human. Which doesn't make yeah, any that sense. That makes no sense. <laughs> but you also find out there's another group of electroids, the black electroids, who have come to Earth because when Buckaroo went through that solid matter, it basically it caused problems because now it's revealing that what the electroids can get back to the eighth dimension or they can get the rest of the electroids out of the eighth dimension. I don't know. Something's going on. The black electroids, electroids, and the red electroids want to kill each other. And let's be very clear: it's the Earthlings are apparently all white or Asian. There's the brown thumbprint people. So people of color are evil because the black electroids are in fact black. Well, but they're good. The black electroids are the good ones. The red electroids are the evil ones. Is there are, there are no white like electrodes. These are my black friends and my brown friends are bad. Whatever you want to say. I'm not going to read your, your diary. I don't know what's in your heart. This just well, sounds wrong. It sounds insensitive to our friends. Yeah. So what she's talking about is that the black electrodes, when they look human, they all look like Rastafarians from Jamaica. They, they are all John Parker, eh? They have, they have nine-foot-long dreadlocks and speak with a crazy patois as if they're right off the boat from Kingston. What's patois? Their language? Like Is an that accent? It? Is that it? I'm Where not did you get that word. You can Google it if you'd like. I have it's called the vocabulary, <laughs> school teacher. <laughs> we don't discuss uh, patois. Interesting. I've never heard of that. I've yeah, never that's heard real. P a t o i s. Patois. It's, it's French. French. There you go. Uh, anywho, <laughs> so yeah, but here's another bizarre uh, anomaly: all the electroids, black or red, regardless, all have the same first name. John. John Baca, hey. Yeah. But even the but they also have sometimes normal sounding last names like Parker 
or truly bizarre nonsense last names like John Big Bootay. John Big Bootay. And not unlike Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> exactly. He's not one to judge. He's not one to judge. Um, so anyway, uh, John Lithgow sends his aliens from Yo-Yo Dine to go try to steal the Oscillation Overthruster, which is the device that allowed uh, Buckaroo to pierce solid matter and enter the eighth dimension. Right. right. Now, here's my question. If Yo-Yo Dine has been doing all this stuff since 1938, why was Dr. Emilio Lazardo in an insane asylum for the last 35 years? Because the alien got inside of his head and he was like biting people and stuff. <laughs> why did why did he just go live in the live at Yo-Yo Dine with the rest of the aliens? If the aliens can keep it together, why why can't John Lithgow? That's these are important. Because questions. there's a brain battle going on. Didn't you see Doctor Sleep? There's some, there's more than one person living in there. We don't we never see the the kindly Emilio Lazardo poking his head out saying, "Oh, I'm I'm struggling I'm fighting with this. it. I'm fighting no. it." You never see that. You never see that good stuff. Maybe um, he just freed his inner a hole. So. The, the, you know, the leader of the aliens at Yo-Yo Dine is Christopher Lloyd playing John Big Boutet, uh, <laughs> which is so bizarre. Why would that be his name? That's such a cheap, like, comedy move. That's like, of oh, course. all the 10-year-olds will love this one. Uh, um, that, that is the target audience. <laughs> that's clearly the target audience. And he gets so pissed off because uh, Emilio Lazardo keeps calling him John, John Big Booty. Which it's it's big bootay. It's big bootay. Um. Anyway, oh God, help me. So along the way, he uh, Buckaroo uh, invites his uh, brain surgeon buddy Sidney something or other, played by uh, Jeff Goldblum, who's chewing scenery. He shows up with a huge like ten gallon hat and like fur lined chaps and all sorts of crazy stuff. So now he's. He's now a member of the Hong Kong Cavaliers, so he's going to help out as well. Good Lord. The Which, of course, also makes no sense. And, and let me hold it right here. Please. So, he was in Death Wish. Where oh, he God. Where... The, rapist, the rapist. Yes. Who brutalized, and I remember being so traumatized watching it. It's like, not only does he rape the daughter and the mother and spray yeah. paint them as a... He then comes in to this day is Mr. Stylish, Mr. On Demand. How did, how did he make that jump? He's an actor? What are you no, looking no, for no, here? No, no, man. Was... There's all kinds of actors in the world. He, how do you become, a, w w from those shady beginnings, become the icon that is, in fact, Jeff Goldblum? Because, quite frankly, he's perfect Tommy right now. Jeff Goldblum, if you ever get on his Instagram account, is I'd rather in fact not. Perfect. He is perfect, Tommy. One of my sa greatest sadnesses is I was in London and I missed the giant Jeff Goldblum open shirt statue uh, that appeared by the Tower Bridge, and I was a day late. Who's to say? Who's to say? I, ca I can't explain uh, what caused this meteoric rise from uh, Death Wish. Stave power. Well, he's, he's, power. he's he's had his, his ups and downs. Let's just I say think that. he must be just delightful. And Jeff, 
If you're listening, if you're listening, give me a call. Let's go. Let's go. uh, Come on up to Bakersfield. Let's go have some lunch. You could tell us all about Buckaroo Banzai. (laughs) Tell us about your acting choices while making Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. So, Jesus. It's like as I try to go through this plot, it is it is so all over the map. So the, that's the... why I'm just interjecting because there is no thread to follow. No, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm trying to walk a tightrope and Aaron's throwing rocks at me. It's basically what it is. That's, that's what this just, episode that's is. That's just day to day. That's just day to day. It's like I'm I'm trying to hold it together. Um, anyway, the black electrodes uh, shoot like an electrical bolt into. <laughs> Buckaroo Bonsai, which now allows him to see the the red electrodes for what he's they not affected are. by alien stench anymore. No, and now he can tell immediately. What was that movie? Wasn't there a movie where you put on the glasses? And Absolutely, the... they live yeah. with uh, Rowdy they... Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out I of bubblegum. Be- I can't believe. Uh... <laughs> Wrestling's still a thing. We're, do, we're doing that. We're doing They Live sometimes. So, to prepare yourself. Hey! Yeah. So, oh, Lord. Good Lord. Uh, okay. So now he can see, and he's got a formula, a chemical formula, which they can produce so that other people can see the evil red, red electrodes for what they truly are. Um, evil. Evil. Pure evil from the eighth dimension. Um, the black electrodes send down a crazy like video on a like a, a seashell or something, and they all had to put on crazy bubble <laughs> bubble masks to be able to to watch the video. It was made out of bubble wrap. Oh, it God. also made no sense. <laughs> this this move this is a big budget Hollywood performance, and then there's a lot. It of It was stuff. a cash grab. Yeah. They call this a cash grab. Yeah, it's called uh, fraud and embezzlement. It, it's <laughs> the way that, the way certain, certain things about it are look so crappy, like flagrantly crappy. They're just like, what were they doing? Anyway, the the leader of the Black Electroids, John Emdahl, played by somebody we've seen in another movie. Do you know what we He's saw? He's been in a thousand things, okay. but once no, again, no, I no, can't remember. No, not John Parker. John oh, Emdahl, the, the, uh, the hologram, the leader of the Black Electroids. Do you know what we've seen her in before? I'm only going to give you two seconds, and then I'm just going to tell you. Uh, wait a minute. Is it uh, Toni Morrison? <laughs> yeah, because we did when Stella got her groove back. That we're doing that next week. No, it is, it is uh, 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 what's her name? Sylvia from uh, Omega Man. She was... Uh, she was the uh, love interest of Charlton Heston in Omega. What? So there you go. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Don't they tell all, me you're going to watch this damn movie again. I got to see Sylvia. Uh, there is literally, you could throw a rock in every actor in this you've seen in something else. It is, it is crazy. Like now, the well, randos. Where did I see John Parker? John Parker was in uh, L.A. Law. I think the pilot episode of L.A. Law. And more recently, he was on Alias. If you ever watched that show. All right. Well, uh, then clearly that's not. And, it. and even more recently, more even more recently, he was on uh, Supergirl. If you watch that show, so okay. there you go. Carl so Lovely he really should literally should be a stranger to me. He should be a stranger <laughs> to you. He normally does not speak with a Jamaican accent or have crazy dreadlocks. So if that was the issue. No. Now there's a moment where uh, Jeff Goldblum is trying to fight the. Uh, the uh, electroids wandering through Buckaroo Banzai's uh, compound. 
and there's a room with just like a watermelon. Do you remember this scene? And he literally <laughs> says, what's with the watermelon? And Reno says, I'll tell you later. And we never find out what the watermelon's about. Why there's a crazy watermelon on a machine of some sort. This is what I love about this movie. There are bizarre <laughs> things that are referenced. Honestly, I thought you were going to tell me it was some uh, super racist and sensitive thing. Okay. Probably. Probably. But it's like, it's basically, like I said, it's like you're jumping in the middle of the story. And, and they assume you already know all the inside jokes because they're never going to explain it to you. So uh, there you have it. Meanwhile, uh, Christopher Lloyd, John Booty, is uh, spitting crazy like, I don't know what they are. <laughs> they're, they're like starfish. And, uh, yes. you and, and, par and, and paralyze it. Yeah. yeah. Poor John Clancy. They're like, yeah, nothing <laughs> we can do about that. He crushes it. Move on. Clancy Brown, not John Clancy. <laughs> Tom that, Clancy. Not, not uh, American author John Clancy. <laughs> Clancy Brown. Anywho. He, yeah, Rawhide bites the dust at one point, which is very sad. Boom, um, boom. John Parker, who's the envoy of the Black Electroids, joins uh, the Buckaroo Bonsai people. And uh, good Lord. Penny gets kidnapped, and we discover that Penny is the long-lost twin sister of Buckaroo's dead wife. Who was Did she die princess. from loneliness? Yes. She was the princess of the Netherlands. What? Yeah. They threw that little bizarro tidbit in there as well. She was the princess of the Netherlands. Who wrote this? Some crackhead. So basically throwing how did this other elements. chick end up getting adopted then? They don't really get into it, except you to say that. You can only have one princess of the Netherlands? I, I can't explain it. I, I don't uh, know. She was put up for along. adoption. It's, it's neither here nor there. They so, kept the ugly one, or they, they, they kept the pretty one. I don't know. And it, this was is, so, uh, it was a Sophie's choice. It was a Sophie's choice, literally. Um, this is peak Ellen Barkin time. By the way, she she looks great. She looks great, but she is not what you consider a traditional beauty by any stretch of the imagination. But she's, she's kind of exotic. She's exotic looking. It's hard to explain. If you haven't seen Ellen Barkin, Google her. She's still running around. She's acting and things. Yeah. Um, Big easy, man. That I think between that and see a love, see a love with Al Pacino. Absolutely. Yeah. Good times. Um, so John Big Boutet kidnaps her and takes the oscillation over thruster, and they go to Yo-Yo Dine. Uh, so Buckaroo gets the gang together, and they decide to attack Yo-Yo Dine. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> never going to end. It's never ending. It's never going to end. It's basically, oh, God, all of the Electroids technology either looks like just disgusting crap, or like seashells, seashells and coral. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is this? Like, there's like weird water everywhere. There's bizarro slugs. They they're, spent they're put... all the money on the costumes, and there was nothing left over for the sets. <laughs> or oh, the Lord. story. If you're listening to this and you've never seen Buckaroo Banzai, you think I'm having a fever dream right now because it is so. I would call it a night terror. It is. <laughs> of that, there can be no doubt. So Buckaroo goes in there, rescues uh, Penny, uh, defeats John Warfin, 
There's a bizarro moment. They, uh, John Parker and Buckaroo sneak on board a like escape pod type thing. Uh, when, uh, Emilio Lozardo tries to take off with a giant, I don't know, some kind of seashell spaceship thing. Uh, he ejects the pod, right? Drops it off. And Buckaroo comes around in the pod and shoots Emilio with a laser that's in the pod and blows up the Emilio Lozardo's spaceship. It was very bizarre. If, if the escape pod has the ability to destroy you, then maybe don't dump the, the escape pod. That's my little piece of advice. I don't know. Uh, it's like every horror movie. Like, wh- why, why do you drop the knife after you stab the dude? You just don't do it. Don't you do, do it. You do not man. do it. Um, oh, God. So there was, earlier, there's an actor named Ronald Lacey who plays the President of the United States who has Buckaroo Banzai on speed dial. And I've seen this movie a thousand times and the president wasn't even remotely familiar to me. I'm like, who's this guy? I've never seen him before. He looked very familiar to me. Do you know who he was? I, I finally, cause I, his name was familiar to me. Later he was, me. he was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was the evil, uh, I don't even know what the character's name is. The evil, uh, Nazi dude who picks up the medallion and his hand ah, gets all burnt. Shut your mouth. Yeah. That's unrecognizable. Him. Unrecognizable because he's unrecognizable. got a weird handlebar mustache. He's got a weird hairstyle. And to add insult to injury, they dubbed him with an American voice. What? Yeah. Why do you hire people and then dub them? I have no idea. Not to mention. Thank that, you, Bohemian Rhapsody. There you go. Not to mention that his uh, national Russian national security advisor was none other than famous comedian Yakov Smirnov. So there you go. Oh, wait, I didn't even <laughs> notice that. That's so funny. It is, it is Where so... is Yakov Smirnov? Is he still in, uh, what's that hillbilly Vegas they have out there? Yeah, he's in uh, Branson. Uh, Branson. Branson. You better believe it. Oh, you better Lord. believe it. Um, Those darn Ruskies. Th- oh, my God. This movie is so bizarre. At one point, Buckaroo's being chased by uh, the and evil It's not bizarre in a good way. No, it, I love it. I love it, oh. but I totally understand the idea that somebody who's not me would sit down and watch this and be like, what is this craziness? Because it is I so bizarre. I think it's something, there's just certain movies you have to watch when they come out. You, and then... And then what? It was a huge flop at the box office, so I don't know. Not for you, apparently. What? You're, like, unscrambling, trying to get free HBO as a child just so you could watch it again. No, I see. I never saw this in the theater. I didn't see it. I probably wasn't until the 90s that I saw this on, like, you know, somebody's couch, for all I know. Are um, you done telling this story? Because I don't even remember how this ends. I believe the I good guys said, win. Yeah, they, they blew up uh, Emilio Lazardo's spaceship, and he says... Buckaroo Banzai, I'll see you in hell. And then he blows oh, up. He so becomes right, he morphs into Schwarzenegger right before he turns into. He power. does that. That's my crazy Italian accent. Now, but my, my question, okay, first of ahead. all, that is that is in no way Italian. The, but I never claimed to be. Go ahead. Questions. Lay it on me. Perhaps you remember a f- little film called Big Trouble in Little China. Know nothing about it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what year did that come out? That came out. Uh, like three years later, two okay. or three years later. Yeah. Would you say that is a good movie? I love B- Big Trouble in Little China. Do you I hate- also love Big Trouble in Little China. At first I was like, what is this? But it is hysterical hijinks. Do you want, do you want me to freak Unlike you out? Unlike 
I you like Buckaroo. Do you want me to freak you out? Oh shit! Is is it uh, the same writer? You're very close. The director of Buckaroo Banzai, W. D. Richter, uh, was the wrote the first draft of Big Trouble in Little China. The so one they threw in the trash. The one they threw in the trash. Well, so, they, they had something going. For threw them. that in the bushes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wipe me bum with it, and we started fresh again. That's how they do it. I have to say, there was one other scene I've gotta I gotta mention. Um, when Buckaroo's being chased through the forest by the evil electroids he they're calling for he's calling for help um and a guy like there's a father and son at a gas station who are like i guess part-time members of the they call them the blue blazer irregulars um and for some reason they're like selling crazy like velvet sofas at the gas station there's you gotta watch it it's a bizarre scene where they're selling these like Bright red, like Rick James would own these these sofas. That's uh, I could just see it from the parking cool. lot from the parking lot of the gas station. They're like, oh damn, we got to go help Buckaroo. It is the <laughs> that's right. Everybody, kids are monitoring Buckaroo. He's ta- totally yep. trying to be one of these old uh, Buck Rogers yep. uh, uh, cereals. Absolutely, but, but not so successful. They... I will tell you the you no know, the best scene. <sighs> Yeah, is the end credits? Oh right, yes. What happens? They play the the Buckaroo by theme song, and which they I all... actually love. Why? Yeah. Why didn't their other music sound like that? If only they. Uh, and then they do kind of a choreographed walking scene uh, where everybody starts joining them. Yeah. Yes, all the people show up. John Parker, Rawhide's back. He's fine, I guess. Just a flesh wound. They're all just walking along. Perfect Tommy's outfit changes about three times over the course of this thing. Fantastic. It was He's perfect. It was and what's funny is they didn't actually have the music at that time. So do you know what song they were actually walking to? Was it Rick James? It was It was not Rick James. It was Uptown Girl by, by uh, Billy Joel. So there you go. All right. Mark it I, down. I, I do, uh, that's one of my uh, guilty pleasures is a little Billy Joel. But I'm watching this. And yes. I was like, I'm digging this, but I've seen this one. I've totally heard that that end credit music before. Yeah. And yet the rest of the movie is lost on me. And I've heard <laughs> the name Yo-Yo Dime before. Yep. The other thing is I knew I'd seen a, a version of that end credit. So and I, it, it smelled like Wes Anderson to me. So I managed to track down. It's one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies. The Life Aquatic at the very end. Right. Instead of this music, they're doing to Bowie's Queen Bitch, and that's how they do it. So it's it it is our favorite Bill Murray cruising down, and then Willem Dafoe Jones joins in, and the rest of the crew. crew Jeff of Goldblum. The ship. Jeff Goldblum again. There you go. There's the connection. There's that's the connection. And apparently, it's not just my brother Kevin that that worships the altar of the bonsai because right. there's all these uh, uh, all these men of a certain age uh, in Hollywood are always trying to sneak in a big bootay comment here <laughs> or a, ah! a bo- this there or that there. I found a whole website yep. which now I, I forgot to write down, but it was like this was mentioned here, this was mentioned here, so. Yeah. There's a whole, I don't know, subclass of people <laughs> that love this movie. 
the, oh, no question. Let's go. Let's go hit some behind the scenes if we can. Um, I, we're not going to talk about uh, how he had changed glasses like Sally Jeff- Jesse Raphael. Well, what's funny is that was a big bone of contention. Uh, the the writer and the director were like, we're putting these these bright red Sally Jesse Raphael frames on Buckaroo yes. throughout half the movie. And the like studio executive producers were like, if you do, I'm going to quit. <laughs> he, no hero on any movie I'm involved with is going to be wearing Sally Jesse Raphael glasses. So it was a did big bone of contention. He did not quit. They eventually of worked out. Of course not. That's he a ridiculous we- thing. He doesn't wear it the whole movie. He only wears the one scene where he's in front of like doing a press conference. They change constantly by perfect Tommy suits. They're blue. They're white. It's all 80s. The, yeah, it, it's very, very 80s. Um, this, if you watch the credits, they go, Buckaroo Bonsai will return in Buckaroo Bonsai Against the World Crime League. Because they were so convinced that this would be a hit that they were, they were like, ready to roll with the sequel. It was obviously a huge flop. Huge failure. Which, which is a, it's shocking, frankly. It is shocking. Um, so I'm, the sequel I'm was never made. It's shocking. I'm shocked it's shocking. How about How, that? There you go. However, in the early aughts, uh, a number of comic books came out where it kind of continued the story. And about, I don't know, five years ago, Kevin Smith oh, uh, was going to uh, like be the showrunner of a Buckaroo Banzai TV series. All right. And uh, it, it fell apart because the... The legality he to, of he wanted to be Buckaroo Bonsai. He, it was good, it was going to star Kevin Smith as Buckaroo. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> hell no. Uh, but the issue is that who owns the rights to the the film uh, are the still studio? hotly the stu- We don't know if it's a studio. We don't know if it's the the directors or the let me ask you the original writer. Was it a, a comic or a graphic novel beforehand? No. No, oh, I, I would assume it was the studio. You so, but that's that's the issue. I think the studio had control of it, and Kevin Smith was ready to go forward. But then he found out that the original creative team behind it were kind of like, "Hell no, we're not involved in this." So then he voluntarily stepped out of it, and that kind of uh, killed it. It like, was like, all about the the lolly. Basically, it was ba- well. It was basically like he. He had such respect for the original creative team that he wasn't going to go forward without their blessing, and they didn't give it. So, all right, that was the kiss of death. Um, but uh, they I have... guess the world is a poor place because of that. Hey. <laughs> 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 oh God, it's it's basically with this movie they do all the things that you shouldn't do. Essentially, it's like oh, I, I believe that. It, it, it's based on some level. It's like, imagine they uh, Marvel Studios just said, you know, we're just going to we're not going to make any of these other movies. We're just going to jump right to Endgame, Avengers Endgame. No one would have any idea what was going on. You'd have no idea who these characters are. You would have no idea what the significance of anything was. Uh, I'm and, sure they were laughing to themselves thinking, isn't that great? Oh, I think they think it's hilarious. Yeah. I think these guys thought we're entertaining was... each other. You're right. It's like Andy Kaufman was yes. doing this. It's basically I think but this fun. is so hilarious. 
I never and, thought Andy Kaufman was funny. I didn't either. But that's that's kind of the idea, where it's like bizarre little things that you're supposed to look at and go, what? What does that mean? I'm shocked you don't love this, because you're like a David Lynch kind of person, where it's bizarro, random things that don't mean anything, and you sit back and laugh. David, was... okay, first of all, l- l- let's deep dive this. I'd rather not. David Lynch is not exactly a knee slapper. It's not just random and we all sit around and laugh and, and Please. erase our you watch, You watch Blue Velvet and laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> it, David Lynch is, is disturbing. It is but it's disturbing. Like, You're so crazy, David Lynch. No. You make me laugh and laugh. That, he's, he's disturbing in a totally unintelligible way. It's like nothing. If you watch Eraserhead... I don't have know. No idea. I've what does seen it Eraserhead a hundred times and I have no idea what's going on. And you love it. And you love oh, it. Oh, no. I could never watch that again. It makes me want to throw up a little bit. Those are college <laughs> movies. Yeah. We will not be doing that, by the way. But if David Lynch would like me to do some uh, work for him, David, I'm, I'm available. In case he wants to make Dune 2. No nudity, you know, I have another job. <laughs> this, is, this is all too much information. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> oh, Lord. There's one line that made me laugh where they're describing Emilio Lazardo, and Perfect Tommy goes, isn't he that guy from TV? And Buckaroo goes, no, you're thinking of Mr. Wizard. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Rito goes like, Emilio Lazardo is a certified genius. And he's like, so is Mr. Wizard. So is I did see that. I do remember Mr. Wizard actually. Absolutely. He was he was on TV too. Don Herbert. He was great. There we go. So, so there you go. Good times. Add by all. Anything else before we we abandon ship on old Buckaroo Banzai? I just want to know if our fans are going to listen to this and go, oh, "Okay, Boomer." Oh no, question. No, uh, I mean we're make tragedy. no mistake. We're, we're total tragedy. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's my attitude. If you go into this just being like, I'm just going to let it wash over me and all of its craziness, you may find it enjoyable. That's how I enjoy it. I enjoy it like I enjoy Army of Darkness and those kind of movies. No, Army of Darkness is genius compared to this. Well, they're just... Well, but he's yelling at them to get get her, get her to like savage your savage hands off of me. <laughs> that was just like pillow talk, monkeys. baby. <laughs> that was hysterical hijinks. So that come on, man. Don't don't insult my my army of I, darkness. I'm just saying it's 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 meant to be kind of light and fun because it's kind of nonsensical. Yes. Tell the truth. You'd had a couple of uh, Zimas the first time you watched that. <laughs> is that really what, what what's happened? No, that is not what's happened. I you watched were stone cold it. How dare you? With a couple of your homies watching this. I think this is hilarious. I'm not going to talk about my my mental state or my <laughs> level of intoxication, but I did watch it last night, and so I there was it. a level. We're just not going to discuss. We're it. just not going to discuss understood. it. I'm not going there. Okay? Was it a bar? It was. It may have been a Bartles and James, but it was probably a Z Martin. Look, Clancy Brown, Clancy Jeff Goldblum, Peter Weller, John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd. The list goes on and on. Okay, that's all I'm going to say on this. Maybe it's a Christopher Lloyd's fault since he did work with Andy Kaufman. Anything's possible. So there you have it. Thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure you go to our page on Facebook at the podcast that wouldn't die. Go to our page on Twitter at 
T Podcast TW Die. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Aaron, you also have your own Twitter account. The Cult of Aaron. And I just wanted to say. Yes. This was a painful movie to watch. Not as painful as The Shadow of the Vampire. Uh, Or The Hunger? Oh, no. The the Hunger. Ah! The Hunger. We're deep diving the 80s. I don't know if you uh, follow the thread here. The the Hunger was beautiful. And David Bowie, you you didn't even appreciate watching Catherine Deneuve. She looked fan-frickin-tastic. They're they're very attractive people. So there There you go. There we go. I'll just watch David Bowie. I'll watch him eat some, uh, like, his breakfast. I don't know. Well, you're not watching him do much of anything these days, but thank you very much. Rest in peace, David Bowie. So, R.I.P. Thank you very much, and be well. Bye.